This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 35, if you can believe it. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling website, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Dean Gregory sits down with Josh and Darren to discuss not only his family's world-famous Montgomery Inn restaurant, but beer, wrestling, and the family's time as owners of a pro football team. My dad heard about the Rockers and just wanted to do it, whatever, and, and we bought a franchise for it. We have a little Rockers watch with a logo in it and the trophy at the boathouse, and my dad, his writing on there is still my $2 million watch. And there's more. Bob Hope, Britney Spears, Waylon Jennings, James Brown, at least two former presidents. We find out how the boathouse was built, and we find out how the boathouse almost wasn't built. Interesting story there. So yeah, it was quite a chat. Uh, Be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode, as always, so you can save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or old school shirts order or both. So here we go. It's Darren and Josh, and uh, I chime in a little bit here and there, uh, talking to Dean Gregory from Montgomery Inn. Cincinnati, oh, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Why don't we talk first about about starting out in the old days, about how we got into the rib business? Because uh, it's kind of a... How much time do we have on this? Just an hour, hour, 15 minutes. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. It's really a great story. My mother and father, my grandparents all came from Greece. Uh, my grand, my mother's father opened up a restaurant in Kennedy Heights. That was the end. Of the, he opened up a restaurant right at the end of the streetcar line. And it wasn't a restaurant like we have today. It was like a Charlie Sweet Shop. They made their own beer. They made their own ice cream. I mean, we didn't have all the purveyors that sell us the products that we use now. That, you know, this was back in the 20s and the, back in the 30s, whatever. They had to make a lot of their products. But he did pretty well. He saved his money. My mother and uh, my father's family in Detroit had a, uh, they all got jobs in restaurants coming from Greece. They couldn't speak the language, so they all learned how to cook and, you know, wash dishes, whatever. My father scraped some money together and opened up a, a greasy spoon in what was the vaudeville area of Detroit. But anyway, make a long story short, my, my father's father uh, was a drinker, a gambler. You know, they were, they were so poor. My dad said they'd have a customer come in and order ham and eggs for breakfast. He was about 16. He'd run out the back door to the butcher shop down the street and get a, two pieces of ham and two eggs on credit. They'd run back. He'd run back. They'd cook it. When the customer paid them, they'd go down and pay the butcher, and that's how they operated. Wow. My grandparents were all at a Greek wedding. It was one of those things, your son should meet my daughter or whatever. And my dad was going to Indianapolis to sell balloons at the uh, Indianapolis 500 with a buddy of his to pick up some extra cash. And he came by Cincinnati, met my mom. Uh, they said it was love at first sight. They started dating. And it's kind of funny. Uh, you guys know my dad was a big cigar smoker. My mom said they were like 20 years old. They go out for dinner. 
And after dinner, she goes, my dad pulled out a cigar. She said it must have been 15 inches long and started smoking it. She said she was embarrassed to death. She'd never seen anybody, you know, never been around anybody smoking a cigar. But <laughs> make a long story short, my, my mother's father helped them buy what was McCabe's, called McCabe's Inn in Montgomery. It was a little bar. It had a uh, dining room that, that uh, I should say, about 20-seat dining room. We didn't have convenience mark back then. It had a pony keg out back. You would drive your car up and go to the gate and push the doorbell. My father would run out and sell you a case of beer or, you know, a case of Coke, whatever you needed. Uh, so it was like three businesses in one. He had pinball machines in. He had pool tables. He thought he could make money, you know, selling, selling uh, uh, shots and beers. He didn't want anything to do with the food end of it. So he leased the kitchen out to a lady for a dollar a year. And my a dad, dollar a year, dollar a year, just to have her stay there and cook. And she sold her food. My father said her food was terrible. <laughs> uh, her kitchen was filthy. He wouldn't need anything that she made. <laughs> so my mom would cook dinner. Well, for a dollar a year, you can't really complain. Well, about I mean, she, but <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, she leased it for yeah, a dollar yeah. a year. So. Wow. So, so he just wanted to have the food there for guys drinking, but he wouldn't touch <laughs> anything she made. My mom would cook dinner and bring it to him every night in the bar, and she'd always make enough for a couple of the cronies hanging around. And my parents told me one one of the few nights that they had off on a weekend night, uh, or maybe they closed early, they went to a jazz club downtown. It was a black jazz club. Neither one of them had ever had barbecued ribs before, and they had ribs on the menu. They tried them, and they fell in love with them. They're driving home, and my dad said to my mom, can you make those? And she goes, I don't know, but I'll try. So she started experimenting. They were newlyweds. She really wasn't much of a cook, but she made ribs, and she'd always make, you know, th three orders, four orders for the guys hanging around the bar. So they were starting to ask for ribs all the time, and she kept improving the recipe. Next thing you know, uh, Wednesday night was like rib night, and then Friday nights, and then my mom kicked the lady out of the kitchen, and she took it over, and that's how we got into the rib business. This is about eight <laughs> years after they originally opened the place, whatever. So. Wow. So what year was this? Well, they opened in 1951, and this was probably uh, probably 57, 58 when they when they started with the ribs. So where was it located? Is it still, still in the same, same place, place in Montgomery? Okay. Yeah, 9440 Montgomery Road. I love that you said she wasn't a wasn't much of a cook, and then she went on to birth <laughs> like the greatest <laughs> restaurant in our city's history. All the recipes, you know, and and through the years, you know, whenever the, a new food fad is out there, we all we always put it on our menu. We can't give stuff like that away. Our menu is basically the same menu now that it was back in the 60s with a couple, you know, fish items added. But all the recipes are my mom's still. Uh, a lot of our special recipes are, you know, are my mom's, whatever. And she just, she she was a great, great, great cook. And my mom's in a nursing home now. She's 91 years old. And she'll have some days where I'll walk in, I'll say, she just got done with dinner. I'll go, what'd you have? And she doesn't remember. Yeah. But she'll talk to the nurses up there and give them recipes. You know, <laughs> You're like, no, no, right no, no, shut up. up here. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what she, you know, what she uh, recollects, whatever. So it started as Margot hers. As no, well. that was our chef Scotty Garman. Remember Scotty at the boathouse? Yeah, that was Scott Garman's idea. That's a, you know what, Darren? What is it? It's, it's a turn. Let, a, let us uh, outsiders in. Yeah, for a second, this is, this is a, yeah, it's a kick-ass uh, fillet special. Fillet mignon with yeah. uh, with a whiskey butter sauce with scallions, mushrooms, uh, sun-dried tomatoes, uh, sun mushrooms, tomatoes, yeah. scallions with the a sauce. Whiskey butter. I don't sauce. like anything on my steak. <laughs> the sauce is so incredible. You could just eat the sauce by itself. 
But Scotty came up with that in 1989 when we just opened the boathouse. We always had our, you know, dinner specials. We have a lot of regular customers that come in, you know, maybe two or three times a week, and we always try to have specials for those guys. And we did the turn those, and that was an immediate hit. It's probably our, it's still on our menu on a daily basis. It's not always a special, but you can ask for it. And I'll tell you why it's not on the menu. Most of our customers, when they come in, they already know what they want. After the second, after two years running the Turn Those Margot as a special every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, and we just sold a ton of it, we put it on the menu, and the sales dropped about probably between 80 and 90%, and we couldn't figure it out. Nobody reads <laughs> our menu, so we took it off the menu and put it on as a special again, and it just, yeah. it still flies out of there today. Um, going back to a couple of things that you said, like, one, I find it fascinating that, you know, Cincinnati is always... Uh, known as you know the German heritage and everything here, but you know some of our most famous cuisine items are started by families with a Greek background. Oh, I agree, I agree. And again, I think that's you know a lot of Greeks came over. They you know they couldn't speak language, so they were able to get jobs in restaurants, and they you know that they remained in that business, whatever. But there are quite a few Greek owners in uh, in in Cincinnati. I mean the chili and oh, now yeah. the ribs. I mean those are like the two biggest food institutions in the city in their Greek origin. I didn't even know that that was the case for Montgomery Inn. Oh yeah, you know what? My grandfather's uh, my grandfather when he came through Ellis Island, his last name is Gregadakis, and they shortened it to Gregory. And I didn't realize this, but I was reading and I was watching a special on TV about. You know how they shorten uh, European names, and I guess any name when you came into this country. And I thought they did it just to make it easier to, for them to get along in this country. But most of the people that worked at Ellis Island were uneducated, and they just, you know, came up with something short and easy that they could spell. Whatever. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was Greg Adakis and uh, and uh, another Dr. Greg. And something else that I thought of: we had Greg Hardman on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he told us that the origin of Little Kings had to do with Montgomery. And- Absolutely. My father grew up in the Detroit area and in uh, in Windsor, Ontario. You know, right across the river from Detroit, and they always had. <laughs> Shots and beers were the big, you know, and the and the places like my father and, and the dives. That was the big sidecar. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was probably back in the mid fifties. My father draft beer is run by a compressor, air compressor. His air compressor broke down. It, the building that he bought was forty years old when he took it over, so it was probably fifty, you know, fifty by that time. He couldn't afford a new one. And Mr. Shaling would stop out and, you know, see him every couple of weeks. And he asked Mr. Shaling, because he couldn't sell shots and beers, he'd have to sell a shot and open a beer and pour him, you know, whatever he was losing money because he had a lot of waste. Whatever the case was, he asked Mr. Shaling if they could come up with a six-ounce beer so he could sell shots and beers to the... And they opened at six in the morning. Construction workers would stop in. Guys going to the office were, you know, it was a different world back then. Uh-huh. Guys would stop in for an eye-opener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they going right. So I guess Mr. Shelling thought about it, and eventually, you know, they came out with the Rib King. They uh, they credited my dad for the you know for the idea for that, and Mr. Shelling even went one step further. And Greg told me this when we spoke a couple weeks ago, uh, and I wasn't aware of this, but he tailored the beer to taste great with the bourbons that you know that were popular back then. So 
like you know the the beer complement of the bourbon that they drank. So yeah. I thought that was really an interesting. So thing. the ribs king is the little king. The rib king is a little king. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So, are you the ribs prince? Are you considered the ribs prince? Or, or now you got you assume the. Th- I always hey, tell yeah. people I'm the prince of pork. Always like that. Time. <laughs> the prince of no, pork. We're, you know what? We're a family business. Yeah. Uh, my brother. I have an older brother and two younger sisters. Uh, we all work in a business. My brother-in-law is involved. Uh, yeah. I have a son that's involved. So, my mom still calls every day. Uh, the first thing she asked, did you check the barbecue sauce today? And I go, Mom, I just did. You know, oh, quality control from yeah. the nursing home? Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's awesome. She wants to know uh, what other restaurants. Are, I mean, I, I like the, the more the merrier. The more restaurants. You know, we've had a huge uh, boom in restaurants in the last five years, particularly in downtown Cincinnati. And it has been so cool. We're, I was I was telling Darren when we spoke earlier we get people now that come to Cincinnati for a weekend, you know, because it's so cool to hang out. We were talking about uh, Fiona, the hippo at the zoo. You know, people are coming to see Fiona from all around the country. It's just amazing. But, uh, but no, the more the merrier. You know, I, I think one of the reasons we have the Culinary Institute at Cincinnati State, and if you look at cities, Charleston, South Carolina, it used to be the worst a city in the country to get something to eat because everything was fried down there. It was deep fried. They have three culinary institutes in that area now. Those kids are staying in town. They're opening up their own restaurants. Charleston has more incredible restaurants right now. And the last, you know, 10 years, it was just, it was always a great place to visit. It's even better now. But I think we're seeing a lot of those kids from Cincinnati State that are, you know, that are sticking around, that are, you know, and opening up their own places and just... Yeah, there's totally a scene. Oh, for sure, definitely. Like you're yep. saying, there's so many of them. I, I don't know how many burger joints have opened and closed, like, in the last... Well... Or, or pizza or... I know. It's hard to survive. Yes, it is, yeah. And you got to do... You know, there's a lot of restaurants that are really unique downtown that are really yeah. different. And I think you got to find your niche and do sure. that. One thing that we're lacking, too... And you know, remember from working at the boathouse, how many conventions we used to have in Cincinnati? You know, back in the in the early '90s, mid '90s, whatever. There are no big conventions anymore. You know, we're all busy on weekends. That's when the local people go out. We get the you know the business travelers Monday through Thursday. But to make it for all these places to survive, we've really got to get some some convention business in our town. Those are the guys that spend money. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Is it the facilities or? You know what happened? uh, uh, All the larger conventions here in Cincinnati wound up outgrowing our convention center. Uh, And, you know, the convention center was slow to respond, to expand. And once those guys leave, you know, it's really hard to, it's hard to get them back. Yeah. Uh, A lot of our groups, we used to have the firemen come to town. There were 12,000 firemen. Those guys were here like five nights. They were absolutely amazing. Uh, I remember one group would come in. And one guy ordered a bottle of wine, so not to be outdone by their buddy, the other 11 guys each ordered their own bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> there they were go. just fine, you know. Uh, we, had a, we had the Power Expo. These were the uh, manufacturers of after parts for motorcycles. A lot of stuff for the Harley, you know, whatever. But they had 12,000 people come in from all around the world. And these guys were bringing their, you know, the, the manufacturers were bringing their big customers in. Those guys spent money everywhere in this town like it was going out of style. It was just, you know, a lot of people, don't, the people in the restaurant business knew they were coming. Nobody else even knew they were here, but they were just, you know, they all looked like a bunch of hell's angels. They all had their vests and their, but these guys were big money guys and they just, 
they really entertained. Took out some and, ribs, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Our menu was great for those guys. I'm and, sure. When did your dad start to realize that, okay, we got this restaurant rolling, people are liking it, and then when the celebrities start to come in and you guys become, you know, you start to realize, hey, maybe we're going to stick around for longer than oh, for a couple sure. of years. Well, that was probably back in the in the late 60s, Bob Hope came. Uh, this is the one I was like dying yeah, to bring yeah, up. I was yeah. like, okay. You know, I mean, one of the greatest comedians ever. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's funny. We have a Bob Hope room at the boathouse now upstairs, and we use it for a private party room. And people will come in and we'll say, you know, younger people will go, you're in the Bob Hope room. And they'll go, who's Bob Hope? So, oh, gosh. So yeah. maybe at some point we need to change that to uh, to the Chris Rock room or something yeah. like that, whatever. But The Josh Sneed room. Would yeah, be Josh Sneed would be great, for sure. <laughs> but I mentioned that my, you know, my uh, family came from Greece. My family, my dad's father's restaurant was in the vaudeville area of Detroit. So my dad said they would have a lot of the entertainers, uh, Henny Youngman. Oh the Three gosh. Stooges would come in. These guys were all broke back then. They were making money in vaudeville theaters. But a lot of acts that didn't make it. But my dad got to befriend Anton Christopherides. Anton Christopherides was either the light or the middleweight heavyweight ch- uh, boxing champion of the world. He was the first hero the Greeks have had since Hercules. <laughs> but he didn't speak English. My father was his uh, was his interpreter, his valet, his water boy. We know whatever he did. So, and how'd that know, come to be? Well, just because they met, they met in the restaurant, whatever, and they, you know, they all. But they knew he was Greek. My par- my grandparents started talking to him in, in uh, Greek. He befriended my father and put him to work for him part time. Wow! But Bob Hope's first career was as a boxer. And I don't know if you guys knew that. He fought out of Cleveland, Ohio. No. Uh, yeah, seriously. Uh, but when they met in, in Montgomery in 1969, Bob Hope did a uh, came in every year. Jack Nicholas was, was with him. They did a golf benefit for the Bob Hope House at Nakatiwa Country Club. And anyway, Harry Adler was a president and a really good friend of my dad's of Nakatiwa Country Club back then. So Harry brought Bob in for dinner. And most people were... Uh, were, you know, nervous about meeting celebrities. Hell, my dad couldn't wait to go up and start talking to him about, you know, the boxing game back then. That was the same time he, that he was involved and about the old vaudeville acts that they all knew. And, you know, and they talked for like three hours that night. They got to be really good friends. My dad would call Bob and vice versa whenever they heard a new joke. My dad loved humor, but we had Bob loved the ribs. We would ship him ribs every three months. And I don't know if you guys remember the Bob Hope Desert Classic yeah. golf yeah, yeah. tournament. We catered to party at his home in Palm Springs for 25 years. They served Montgomery and Ribs out there. They'd have about 700 people at that party, and it was like who's who in show business, who's who in Washington. I mean, all the top brass of the military was out there, former presidents. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was an incredible. I got to go in 1986. Uh, we flew into Los Angeles with the ribs. We had to stop by Mr. Hope's house. Now, how many slabs of ribs are you taking to uh, that? We, we took, uh, Josh, I don't know how many boxes. There's 20 slabs on a box, so we probably took about 600 slabs. So, I mean, it was enough to fill a van. We got the ribs at the airport. We had to stop by Mr. Hope's house in Toluca Lake. He was going to ride down with us. My dad and he, for some reason, rode in the van. And Mr. Hope, I don't know if you remember, he used to do advertisements for Chrysler. He's got a brand new Chrysler in the driveway, and I had to drive that the four hours to the Palm, to Palm Springs. 
And I was, what, 23 years old? I was so nervous. I was going to, you know, yeah. scratch his car, or do something oh, stupid, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. Let's drive slow in the driveway. Like, <laughs> we get to the Amen. tournament, and he gets a phone call. Some There was a message waiting for him at the airport. And he goes, hey, kid, do you play golf? I go, yeah. He goes, you're going to play in a tournament this weekend. Somebody had passed away that couldn't make it. And there was a waiting list for a mile long to get into that tournament. And it was big money to play in the tournament. And I got in, and I was so nervous, you know, whatever. I wasn't, I'm a, I've been playing golf forever. I'm a terrible golfer. I was scared to death I was going to kill somebody. <laughs> there are so many people in the galleries out there. But we had a, uh, he, he was great. He had dinner at Montgomery Inn. I'm trying to think the last time he was in. Rosemary Clooney got married in, in uh, Augusta, Kentucky. And Bob came to the wedding and stayed with my parents when they lived at Adams Landing and had dinner at the boathouse uh, two nights in a row. But he was just... He was just like, you know, you'd see him on TV. He was so friendly. He kind of got corny towards the end. His jokes were, you know, pretty old, like like most old guys like myself probably do, whatever. But but he was just so neat to, to have around. Well, he was the face of the, the uh, entertaining the troops forever. Oh, the USO, for sure. You know what? I got involved with the USO. We started a fundraiser at the Boathouse 15 years ago. We had it for four years, and the, it, uh, the committee was worried about the weather because it was an outdoor, indoor event, but we got them back two years ago. But through that relationship and through uh, just the influence of Bob Hope, because he Bob performed during World War II, Korean War, Vietnam. You know, he was there on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, whenever they needed him. You know, yeah. he, he was there. But uh, for for 15 years, we went to Walter Reed, first Walter Reed Hospital in D.C., and now it's Walter Reed Bethesda. They merged. We would go up on right around June 14th. June 14th is the Army's birthday. There were a lot of festivities and, and for the military that week, but we would go up. And when we started going 15 years ago, that's when things were hot and heavy in the you know in the Middle East. There were a lot of serious injuries out there. We would we did a barbecue for 700 injured soldiers and their families. Wow. Uh, we would do that on Wednesday, and then we would go to Fort Belvoir to the Belvoir in Maryland to the USO Center and feed another 700 and their families up there. And the last couple of years that we went, and thank God there weren't many injured soldiers up there, so they were like bringing staffers in and things like that. And we thought, you know, this isn't what we what our purpose was. We want to take care of soldiers, so. We, we didn't go this year, but we did do, uh, we did the Naval Reserve here in Cincinnati. We did uh, a luncheon for them for about 400, and we just did the Air Force Reserve out in Blue Ash two weeks ago for 450. So That's we try awesome. to support the military uh, all we That's can. That's great. So well, I feel like we're going to, I'm going to be terrible at jumping all over the place because I just, <laughs> oh, have, go ahead. That's I just have so many, I just yeah. have so many memories of like, you know, like as a kid, like the Montgomery Inn, you went there on the most special of oh, occasions. Yeah. Yeah, birthday know? dinner. Yeah. And, or, you know, uh, like I remember like my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. Like we went to the Montgomery Inn and it was like, oh my God. Like we got dressed up. Like I had oh, to yeah. wear a tie. And when I'm in there now, like I, I still see that. And that, like, what is that like for you to be not only like an institution where you'll have people that come three times a week, but also like, we get revered so many, as like oh, yeah. the place of like celebrations of like important events in people's lives. We get so many special, you know, engagements. I mean, everything, everything we, we do. We have three rehearsal dinners every Friday night. Uh, we have our largest private room holds 90. 
but we'll have uh, we'll have some small wedding receptions down here. People and people when they have when something happens when they get engaged at the boathouse when they meet their wife or something whatever they come back every year. It's just a special you know special occasion for that. We get quite a few. It's great. Every night, you know, people call. It's our anniversary, you know, and we just, you know, make all these notes. I think that's one thing. I'll get on my staff. We need to do a better job on recognizing people. Sometimes we're leery of it. We get people that come in for the, they say, every time they come in, they say it's their birthday. Because, <laughs> because we always give them a free dessert. Yeah, so, so strawberry we need to start to tell them to bring we'll the birthday. We'll edit that out. We'll don't get any ideas. No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. After five or six times, we'll catch on, so. Come on down. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I, I want to mention, I went to art school. So I, it was uh, 2000, I don't know, probably, yeah, 2000, 2001 when I graduated. Uh, so that meant, you know, I planned on, hey, it's probably going to be a rough go at it here in my 20s. I, I better go get a job at, you know, restaurant. So I went to uh, Don Pablo's, put in my application. And the manager's like, well, you don't have any restaurant experience, so he's like, I don't know, we'll call you if something that opens up. But I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, I'm looking across the river, and I see the boathouse. I'm like, dang it, I'm just going to go over there and put an application. You know, I'm not going to try to you know, walk in and be a server right away or whatever. But So I went over there and applied to be a busser. Frank's like, hey, come over here. All right, you can start Friday. Like it was just like, I was like, oh, wait a second. So I went from Don Pablo's, wouldn't even look at me, to... Uh, you know, getting in with uh, Cincinnati royalty, just like that. So, uh, so that was that was a big thing. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe you guys just well, hire any geek off the street. But. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Back, as we were growing up, my parents would always tell us. My mom particularly would tell us hire somebody that, with experience, and we did hire people with experience. And we had some of the most miserable people you ever met in your life working for us. They had experience, but they didn't have any personality, and they weren't, you know team players, whichever. Yeah. And we thought about that, and we thought, that's not right. Let's, let's hire people that enjoy, uh, that have a great personality, that enjoy other people, that enjoy, you know, waiting on people and, you know, and meeting people. And, and we've had a few fools, whatever. We thought they were great at first. <laughs> but I look at my crowd. I, I, I mean, there were days I used to hate to come to work, but this is not, this is years ago. This is back in our Montgomery location because we had maybe, I don't know, you know, uh, one bad apple spoils, but we had like five or six bad apples on a small crew, and they were just no fun to be around. And I look at my crew at the boathouse now. Uh, I mean, I love going in there every day. They've all become like family. I just, and, oh, yeah. you know, I yell with the best of them, whatever. But, you know, when something's not right, I get, you know, I'm pretty much a perfectionist down there. And you have people that have been there for like 30 years. Oh, yeah. We still have a lot of our, we've been, we'll celebrate 30 years there in February. We still have about That's 20, awesome. Congratulations. 20, thank you so much. 20% of our opening day boathouse crew is either still at the boathouse or in, involved in a company somewhere they've gone oh, on wow. to bigger and better things. So that in our industry, That's that is unheard of for sure. Yeah. Now we have servers in Montgomery that retired after 45, uh, 46. We had a couple guys worked in the kitchen. Uh, Mike Hammock, our chef since the 70, just retired because of health reasons last year. Mike would still be with us. He was there 45, 46 years. But wow. We've been really blessed with uh, with great, great people. Jeez. So, so all right, so going back, how did Montgomery and was it the Bob Hope relationship? How did, how did you guys become the place that, like, athletes and celebrities made you 
Oh, the place sure. to be yeah. because I, as a kid, oh, they all, Pete I remember, used to come out all the time. I would go um, in there and just look at the walls. Like I would, we would get done eating, sure. and we would just walk around people eating just to look at everything on the walls. My the the Bengals started hanging around and uh, once 67, 60, 68. I guess 68 when they came to Cincinnati. They would start hanging out. They would start bringing their jerseys in. My father was one of the first ones to start, you know, the sports memorabilia yeah. and restaurants. But, I mean, we didn't even frame them back then. We just stapled them to the walls. Uh, <laughs> but all the Bengals would, would hang out out there. Uh, the Reds would all come out. When Harry Carey was in town doing the Cubs games, Harry would always come out. Kids. Wrestlers. I mean, oh, like, yeah. you walk around the boathouse, and it's insane. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a great story. And this is probably early 70s. There was a guy that used to come in, and I, I know he was, he was from Covington, and he would come in with five-gallon buckets and buy our five gallons, ten gallons of barbecue sauce all the time. And I thought, he's what? taking that to another restaurant and selling it somewhere. And finally, I don't know, I asked him, I go, we love selling the sauce. I go, what do you know with this barbecue sauce? He goes, I work for Waylon Jennings. We take this down to his branch in Tennessee. Whenever he has a barbecue, he loves your sauce. This is the only sauce that he'll serve. This went on for a couple years. And this guy, his name was Mac, calls me up and he goes, hey, Waylon's going to be in town in a couple weeks. He's doing a concert at the Cincinnati Gardens. Do you want to go to the concert? And I'm thinking, this guy's full of beans, whatever. Anyway, I said, yeah, I'll go. Well, it was a Friday afternoon, about 3 o'clock. The restaurant's kind of quiet. And my mom and dad were both there. I was there. This tour bus pulls up front. And we're thinking, who in the heck's that? Uh, and sure enough, it was Waylon Jennings got out. And his wife, I don't remember his wife's name. I think it was Jesse Coulter. They came in, uh, they won, you know, they introduced themselves, thanks for the barbecue sauce, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, they were so cool. Uh, they asked my father and my mom and I to sit down with them and we talked with them. I think Waylon had two slabs of ribs. He absolutely loved them. And then he gave me tickets and backstage passes for the concert that night. So bring all your friends. About six o'clock, he calls the restaurant. He goes, ask for me, he goes, hey, are you coming to the concert? And I said, I wouldn't miss it. He goes, can you do me a huge favor? He goes, could you bring me a couple more slabs of ribs? <laughs> so we go down, I take three of my buddies, and we're backstage. And he's bringing us beer, waiting on his hand on foot. He ate one slab before the concert, and he had another after. But he plugged our ribs at the concert all night long. We thanked him. We hung out with him a little bit afterwards. Next day, we opened up at 4 o'clock on Saturdays. About 12 o'clock, I'm at the restaurant. My parents are there again. They were, They came in Saturdays to make sure everything was all set, ready to go for Saturday night. Here comes Waylon's bus again. And, you know, we saw him. We unlocked the door, let him in. They wanted to know if they could get some more ribs before they left, whatever. So they sat down at it again. So I that was pretty cool. He ate there three times in less than 24 hours. That is awesome. Uh, we'd have the wrestlers come in. Uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan comes to the boathouse. We see him once a year. He has some connection to a wrestler. Uh, or somebody in the wrestling business in northern Kentucky. Oh, gosh, you name it. We've had all the baseball teams in, yeah. uh, all the football teams. Did you guys take uh, the Bill Cosby picture down? We took the Bill Cosby picture down. Ah. Yeah. yeah. I was so hurt. I mean, just yeah. disappointed. I'd be on Bill Cosby, wherever he traveled. Uh, is it still okay to talk about him? Yeah, yeah, of course. He loved our ribs, but when he traveled, he would stay at people's homes. And I don't know if this is where the uh, where the, <laughs> the uh, troubles yeah where the troubles started or what, but he would always have me ship them ribs. He call he would call my cell phone. I'd be out on the golf course, 
and the phone would ring, and I would answer his call. My buddies would go, come on, come on. You know, I go, I'm talking to Bill Cosby. You know, and he would give me an order where to send him, whatever. He had a house account. We, you know, we built him. He always paid his bills. But, God, he used to come in. He used to call, I don't know, five, six times a year for, for us to share perhaps. Yes. Oh I'd love to uh, see your cell phone. Yeah. Just to yeah. see all the people. Who's the most famous person in your cell phone? Oh, boy. Uh, you got any president's cell phone no, numbers? No, I don't Bill have any president's. No. I'm trying to think. I've got a lot of lot of them in there. No, I'd rather not say because I've heard somebody's feelings. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, okay, who's the most of people who've just shown up or or called ahead and let you know they're coming? Like, what's the craziest name where you're just like, oh my gosh, so and so is is coming or so and so is here eating right now? Andre the Giant. Uh, Remember him? The wrestler? Oh, yeah. Of course, the bad guy. Yeah, he came in unannounced. Well, he was a good guy for a long time. Yeah, yeah. He came in unannounced. I grew up, we used to go to Cincinnati Gardens in the late 60s and 70s and watch big-time wrestling on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, we would drive to Hare Arena in Dayton and watch the same thing all over again. (laughs) But Andre the Giant came in on a, I think it was a Saturday night, about 10 o'clock. We were up until 11.30, I think, back in those days, maybe even 12 for dinner. And he came in, and I have to tell you, I always hated Andre because he played the bad guy. And I love wrestling. He was so cool. Uh, he was a real gourmand. He wanted to know what was in the sauce, what was, what spice we used on the ribs. Uh, he wanted to see the kitchen. He was just really, really cool to talk to. And we got a picture with him, and he, you know, a group picture with a lot of the staff. And I lost that picture. I don't know where it is. Uh, you know, somebody took it on their little brownie instamatic camera or something. Yeah, it's a little yeah. three by three picture. I just want to get that, find that, and get that blown up and hang it in there. But that was pretty strange. We had Buster Douglas. Remember, but did he beat Tyson? Tyson. Yeah. He was in the next night with like 30 people. The next night? The next night. And he came in and he got sloppy drunk at the table. (laughs) You hear about boxers losing their money because of the entourage they carry with them. He passes out at the table. And when the check came, one of the guys reached in his pocket and pulled his wallet out and got out a bunch of credit cards and said, here, you know, take one of these to the servers. And I know they were all going to the waterfront afterwards, Jeff Ruby's waterfront. And I'm sure Buster never made it out of the limo that night, but they had a great time on his card. Uh, uh, we had Mark McGuire. They played the Reds the next day, and he was in the boathouse the next day after the 61. And we always made a habit. If, if There's a there's like a rule in the restaurant business. If you uh, if a celebrity comes in and you ask them to sign something, number one, we don't let our staff do that. But if you ask them to sign something or take a picture, the classy thing to do is to pick up their check. So right away, my sister Terry runs up. She must, we always had baseballs in the office for, you know, for when just players case, came in just yeah. to get signed. So she runs up with about 20 baseballs oh my and gosh. asked Mark, Mark, can you sign these? <laughs> and then she took them off. She probably sold them. I don't know what she did with them. <laughs> but, you know, we picked up the check. There were like 20 guys with him that day, whatever. I could have killed her because I didn't get anything <laughs> autographed for the restaurant. Okay. okay. Britney Spears, she came Britney in. Britney Spears came in. I have to tell you something. Uh, a friend of mine, Lenny Lyons, was in the music business, and uh, Brittany was probably about 16 or 17. She would just probably had outgrown the Musketeers, whichever. Plain, looked like a plain, you know, like a like a yeah. freshman in high school. And Lenny That's brought me, in. baby, one more time, Brittany. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Lenny said, Lenny had all the people in from the radio stations. I don't know if it was a clear channel or what. She brought her acoustic guitar. She sang in our dining room. And Lenny says, "What? I'm telling you, she sang to the to the, there was like 40 of these people, and she sang a couple songs to him in the dining room, and uh, and Lenny goes, 
get your picture with her. She's going to be huge someday. So I go, okay, I put my arm around her, we get a picture. And about a month later, he sends me the framed picture and a copy of her album that, you know, do it to me one more time, whatever. I have the picture on my desk, and my daughter Alexis comes in. And Alexis was probably about, she was 16 or 17 because she was driving. She goes, oh, my God, Dad, you know Britney Spears? I go, oh, honey, we're great friends. She comes in all the time. I still didn't, you know, uh, she was so excited. We had James Brown come in, and this is back in the 80s. James was trying to buy King Record Studio here in Cincinnati, yeah. where he made his first record. He was trying to get financial support from, you know, from the city of Cincinnati. So he was here on Tuesday, Tuesday for lunch. A bunch of the uh, councilmen brought him in for lunch and, you know, got to meet him, got to talk to him. Wednesday night, we started doing cigar dinners at the boathouse 25 years ago. We'd had a cigar dinner out back, and that was back at the height of the cigar craze when, when the resurgence. We would have a five-course dinner. We'd have a rep, an owner of a cigar company coming every month, and we always had a, like a three-piece jazz combo out there playing. So I would always tell the girls to answer on the phones, if anybody calls, you know, I'm outside tonight, just take a message or, you know, tell them I'm not here and get a message, I'll call them back. So about 8 o'clock, I'm walking through the dining room, and I see James and his wife there. And I walk right up to the table and go, hey, how you, you know, whatever, I'm glad to see you back. He goes, we asked for you at the front desk. They told us you weren't here. <laughs> and I said, James, I have to apologize. We have a, a cigar dinner outside. We do this for charity every month. And I explained to him what it was, and his wife goes, do you have a band? I go, we have a three-piece jazz combo out there. And she goes, James, why don't you go out and sing? So he said he would, and I said, well, you know, finish your dinner or whatever. And, and, and yes, I did pick up their check. <laughs> but it was so cool. We just got done serving. It was probably like 8.30, uh, 8.45. We just got done serving dessert, and James Brown walks out. And walks right up to the band, says a few words to them. They break out in this blues number, and James sang for about 45 minutes. And what did wow. people do? Now, I have to tell you, they absolutely loved it. They were in shock. Yeah. But you got open bar all night long. You probably got $25 worth of cigars. You got a five-course dinner. We charged $75 for that. We made about, we had a raffle, too. We probably made about $30 a head. I charged our costs. We probably made about $30 a head for a charity. So after James leaves, all the guys are clapping and thanking me, and they're going, who are you going to have next month? <laughs> like James was included in the price. I'll never forget that. That's awesome. Yeah, We've had so many celebrities James. out there. Uh, I can't even uh, think of them all. When George Bush, George W. was here, when he was campaigning for, and Mr. Castellini had a fundraiser at his home, and this was back, Johnny Bench was having his 60th birthday party at the boathouse. So GW is here for the party at, at uh, Castellini's for the uh, Republican fundraiser. And, you know, he was a huge baseball fan. He owned the Rangers, part of the Rangers at one time. Yeah, I remember and, he threw out the first pitch on opening day one year. Well, he was asking where Johnny Bench was at the, at the Castellini's, and somebody said he's having his birthday party at Montgomery and Boathouse tonight. So... I had to leave that night. We, the Greater Cincinnati Restaurant Association had their annual banquet where we present <clears throat> awards and scholarships. I nominated one of our busboys for a scholarship, and he won it. So we went to a restaurant, uh, Bella Luna, on Eastern Avenue. Mm -hmm. There were about 40 of us for dinner. And I left, and my general manager, Tom, told me, 
I wouldn't go in 20 minutes and all these black SUVs started pulling in the parking lot. They came in, they shut down the phones, they locked all the doors, nobody could, could come or go. And they said to Tom, we have a really important guest going to be here in two minutes. And he said, by that point, I pretty much figured out, you know, who it was. But uh, President Bush came in, walked through the dining room, shaking hands, laughing with people, kissing babies, all that. Yeah. <laughs> Ordered a carryout order, went upstairs, and we had three private parties that night. And uh, he walked past one, and it was the Enquirer room. We call it the turf room now. Yeah. There. There's glass doors up there. And he walked past and he looked in and everybody looks up shocked. There's the president looking <laughs> at him and he walks by and then he comes back and stuck his head in the door and he goes, yep, that was me. And he went in and said hi to everybody. <laughs> but he hung around Johnny's party for about an hour, uh, hour and a half. And then he went down and got his carryout order and we tried to pick up the check. Uh, and he said, no, that's against the law. You know, there are, uh, there are civil servants they have to pay. Uh, he was a great tipper. He took good care of the girls at the desk. And uh, we got a nice picture of him with the Montgomery in bag and a big smile walking out the front door. So Man, that, I love to hear cool. that story. Wow. But he was really neat. He was really great. That's nuts. So that was the only president, right? His well, dad didn't come in? Uh, what's, who's that? His dad didn't come in? No, we never or, had his dad. But the Bush family, he, we used to send rips to them in, uh, in uh, Kenny Bunkport. For, they'd celebrate birthdays with Montgomery and ribs. H.W. Uh, uh, Bush, Arnold Palmer. We used to ship ribs to Arnold Palmer all the time, too. Uh, Arnold discovered at us when they had the senior tour here in Cincinnati at the Jack yeah, Nicholas Center. Arnold was going to a barbecue at the Bush Ranch in Texas, and we had to ship him like 100 slabs of ribs. And he was going to take him. He goes, I want the Bushes to taste, taste what real ribs taste like. So uh, so we would ship ribs to, to uh, uh, both Bush presidents, whatever. Uh, Ronald Reagan used to eat our ribs at Bob Hope's. I have to tell you a great story, and this is back in the, maybe in the mid-80s, the Queen of England toured the United States, and when she was in California, she had dinner at Bob Hope's house in Palm Springs. She had Montgomery and ribs that night. That's what the Hope's <laughs> served. With her white so, gloves on. And oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was pretty cool. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Where's the furthest you've ever shipped ribs? Or can or is it? Are you limited well, based yeah, on like what? Yeah, like, we can only ship to the uh, United States. A lot of companies. We were shipping ribs. We were shipping ribs to an outfit in Japan. They wanted to open up Montgomery and restaurants over there, and there was a, a agricultural <coughs> test that there was a bacteria that grows on all frozen foods. It's harmless. It's not toxic. But this, when we shipped our ribs over twice, it turned up on our ribs, whichever. So we weren't able to do that. They, this company had like a thousand restaurants in Japan, and they wanted to put our ribs on some of their on a lot of their menus over there. So we were really excited about that. Yes. What about sauce? Can you ship that? Sauce we ship. Uh, yeah, we ship sauce to a restaurant in Germany right now. Uh, it's an American style uh, uh, restaurant in Germany. They serve ribs. We cannot we cannot ship our ribs over there. Also, right. but they serve our uh, our barbecue sauce over there. About 10 years ago, I went to France. Uh, they don't eat ribs in France. And f the French butcher, uh, they, they're, they're the number one uh, supply, supplier of pork products in, uh, in Europe. They butcher a lot of hogs over there. So I went over, a friend of mine actually put this deal together, Lou Lauk. Lou was in the dog chew toy business. You know, those little <laughs> things that dogs chew on. Those yeah. are made out of, uh, out of pig's ears. So Lou sold his company, but he had a non-compete, 
and has not been peepers up. So he was doing his research that when Nixon was president, we stopped all pork importing from France. And somebody was mad at somebody in the French agriculture department. And this ban, Lou got the ban lifted. So we went over to Normandy where all the pork plants are. We go to these places and I'm watching them cut ribs off. They're cutting the loins off and taking the loin back ribs, which is what we use, baby loin backs, and throwing them right in a trash can. And this meat looks so incredible. Everything is all natural over there. There's no steroids in it. There's no antibiotics. There's none of the things that they put, you know, in our meat over here that, that they are getting away from finally. Right. But I called my mom and I go, Mom, you cannot believe how good these ribs look. They're absolutely beautiful. So we made a deal to buy ribs and pig's ears. They threw the ears away also. We made deals to buy these products. And, and they were probably, like, did oh, they, they think you were crazy? Because yeah, yeah. they were yeah, just throwing it away. Yeah. Yeah. But we got back over here, and they wouldn't they wouldn't return our calls. They wouldn't return our emails. And I don't know what, you know, I guess they found a better market. They went out and shot them after we were there. They knew they had something, you know, uh. worth selling, whatever. <laughs> and I thought I wish we would have had those products. We're buying ribs now from a company in Canada that they're all uh, all natural product, whatever. So, you know, that's one thing I should toot our own horn on this but you talk about restaurants going green and this is how my parents always taught us to operate always buy the best you know natural products always buy the best available and they always taught don't ever buy anything you know sub quality you know buy the best you can you know and charge accordingly but that's what that's what people want so we've always tried to provide the best the greenest products that you know that's been available for us um, and your uh, your sauce is gluten free now, right? Sauce is, yeah, and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Evan was telling us there's like yeah. a bunch of hoops to uh, jump through in oh, order yeah. to get that. I mean, it basically was to begin with, right? It was, or you had a it had like a like two parts per uh, million, two you know whatever something like it was very minute, but but it still you know would show up positive on a test. So it is 100 percent gluten free right now. Um, so speaking of Evan, this is another thing I wanted to bring up. You guys were kind of at the forefront of the Cincy Favorites website. Well, Evan, I mean, actually, my brother-in-law, Evan, who works for the company, started that company, and he was pretty smart about it. The secret to that business is how you buy your freight. So, you know... Uh, and for those who don't who are listening don't know, Cincy Favorites is a website you can you can go to and order, like, Cincinnati staples to Montgomery be shipped everywhere. Uh, Skyline, uh, Skyline Frishes, Graders, and he went to UPS and contracted for a bunch of freight for the following year. And then he went to Graders, he went to Skyline, and he goes, "Hey, he goes, I can ship your, uh, I can ship your products and save you a lot of money." And they gave us the opportunity, and sure enough, he did save them a lot of money. We have a freezer warehouse that is at our commissary in Reading, Ohio. It'll hold a million pounds of product. I'm not sure what the <clears throat> square footage is, but it's huge. But yeah, UPS picks up every day, and it's really that part of the business. You know, the internet part is just going. It's the fastest growing part of our business, and the most profitable right now. To tell you the truth, I've shipped rib. I've shipped your ribs to friends of mine, Craig Robinson from the office. He was working at Go Bananas before he got super famous, and he said, where should I eat? And I said, you got to go to the Montgomery Inn, and he loved it. So I shipped him ribs for his birthday. He's a huge fan. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, like, I feel like a small ambassador, you know, like That's I was at sure. the comedy club in Houston, Texas, and we were, uh, I was with uh, the comedy club owner and Billy Gardell, who is the star of Mike and Molly, and we were talking about getting some 
barbecue and watching football on Sunday. So the owner of the club said there's there's this place in the absolute worst part of Houston <laughs> that has the best ribs. <clears throat> He's like, there's no sauce on them. And I said, well, let's, I said, do you guys have Kroger here? And he said, yeah. I said, let's stop at Kroger and get a bottle of the barbecue sauce of, of the place in Cincinnati that I love. And so uh, we picked up these ribs in the hood, and then we went and got a bottle of sauce, and they still both talk about it to this day. Okay. Get it wherever they can. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I love yeah. hearing things like that. Yeah. Man. And actually, uh, the boathouse is where I met Josh. Yeah, I was, I was staying oh, that, that one for them. Yeah. But yeah, this company exists because of uh, the boathouse. You know it was in not too long ago? And this pro- probably it was, I guess, springtime. You guys listen to Bob and Tom. Yeah. Donnie Baker. Oh, Donnie. Ron, oh, what's yeah, his yeah. Name? Ron Sexton. Yeah. 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 And he came in, and I, I, I'll tell you what, I watch his videos all the time. Yeah. Uh, I listen to them every morning. But I go up in the bar area about 3 o'clock, and there's two guys sitting at the bar. And one guy's got a Reds hat on. Yeah. Uh, He's he, a diehard. He named his kid Eric Davis. Did he really? Yeah. Well, he didn't have, I didn't realize that he didn't have the long hair. The That's mullet. That he yeah. Was. yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm looking at him. And they were eating. I go, everything all right, gentlemen? And he goes, and I recognized that voice from somewhere, and I couldn't place it. Finally, after about 10 minutes, I'd been up like a couple of times, and I kept looking at him. I go, you're Donnie Baker, aren't you? And he goes, he smiled, and he goes, yeah. And he was just so nice. He was supposed to be on a cruise, and I forget whose cruise it was. It got canceled, and one of his buddies was working, was to appear at a, uh, something in Middletown, Ohio that night and got sick. So Ron, Donnie Baker, was going to fill in for him. But he was so cool, I gave him a Montgomery Inn hat and a T-shirt. And he went outside and shot a video. And the guy is so quick. I He's mean, incredible. Just, oh, it was it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen, in all my years of doing stand-up, I've never seen anybody as quick and being uh, able to turn on a character the way he for does. For sure. He was amazing, I'll tell you what. Yeah. But that was really neat having him, uh, him around. We've had a lot of the rock stars come in. Uh when we had our place in Columbus, Eric Clapton used to eat there all the time. Yeah. Uh, he lives next to A.J. Hawk. I heard that. Okay. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He married his wife. thing at A.J. Yeah. Hawk's house, and uh, he had just built it, and then he was like, Eric Clapton lives over there. I was like, what? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah. But we used to get a lot of guys in. I remember Joe Cocker came in back in the old days. Remember the band Slayer? You guys probably know Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Slayer had Montgomery in on their website. We were their favorite restaurant. They would get our ribs all... I mean, they were heavy metal, weren't they? Yeah. I yeah, couldn't yeah, even tell you any songs. Yeah, but they were heavy metal. <laughs> and they were so nice, I'd always talk to them. It's so uh, funny. Joe Cocker came in one night, and I'll, uh, he was so scary looking, I'll tell you what. He must have been doing math or something like that. He looked, he looked so old, I'll tell you what. He was probably in his 30s. It looked like he was 60. God, I, try, I can't remember all the people that have been there. Now, I, I want to phrase this properly, because I don't want it to sound negative, but... You know, you had a restaurant in Columbus, Correct. and you had yep. one in Indianapolis. Yeah. Do you think that they didn't pan out because of just the the location or the way they ran, or do you think it's just such a Cincinnati thing that well, it's, it's do you, do, I don't I don't mean to, that to sound no, negative at all. That is I've, a great point to bring up because I thought about this a million times also. You know, for many years, Skyline tried to export their product, and they you know you couldn't even give it away in other towns, and. Our, our store in Indianapolis was a franchise location. They were doing great over there. That store was doing $800,000 a month when they first six months. I remember where it was. It oh, sat huge. on that hill off yeah. the highway over yeah, by Keystone. Yeah, you can see it right off. Is that 465? Or? Yeah, okay. yeah. It was and, close to the comedy club. And right. I remember oh, yeah. I remember oh, seeing okay. it back off the hill yeah. on the highway. I'm like, that's a Montgomery Inn sign over there. They were supposed to develop 
all that area around there. It was at the end of a long street, which basically nothing was on. And you could see it from the interstate. You know, it was a probably five minute off the interstate to get there. But we were supposed to have a hotel next to us. A lot of things that were supposed to happen did not. And there was four partners in the franchise over there that they did a, a LLC to raise money to build that place. But they were doing great. And then they were telling us they were losing money. So we met with them on a Friday afternoon. And this is after they've been open for about a year and a half. And I said, I'll be over here Monday to take this store over and see what the problem is. Well, they called Sunday night and said, don't come. We shut it down. And we couldn't figure what happened. And we still, to this day, are not sure. But we're pretty sure that one of the partners was embezzling a lot of money. No. Uh, so that's well, the that's reason that that's work, yeah. closed. So that was our first and last franchise. Jeez. When we opened the Columbus store, we had so many regular uh, customers from Columbus area, you know, our Montgomery location, the boathouse. We thought that place would be a gold mine up there. There are a number of reasons, I think, that we didn't succeed up there. One, we were in a shopping center that was never more than 30% occupied while we were there. Two, I think that we need to have a family member there. A lot of our business is personality-based. Yeah. Uh, you know, I walk around the boathouse. My dad always told, told us, it's showbiz. you got to get out here and shake hands and, yeah. you know, and promote yourself, whatever. Even before I knew you, I, I mean, like where I feel like you would come say hi. You always, always came. Every time we yeah. were there, I remember, like, you or Tommy or somebody. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But we just didn't, just the restaurant just didn't have the personality up there. And then we were doing okay, and then right at the intersection where we were above, they started to build a roundabout four years ago. It was supposed to be done in a year. It was over two and a half years when we shut the restaurant down just because it killed the traffic flow through there, and it just really killed our business so yeah, uh, we just shut her down yeah. and we closed our Montgomery and Fort Mitchell store recently yeah uh, that was one I always go to it was right around the corner well, of the I know I'm sad about it that was a great little store over there uh, but you know there's the ownership changed and they tore down the building around us that was part of the you know yeah. the great hall and the Oldenburg brewery well the one wall opposite the front door was an interior wall there was no insulation in that wall it was just you know a brick there brick wall so our utilities went sky high it would cost a fortune to heat that place in the winter it cost a fortune to air condition it in the summer and the new owners was trying were trying to get the property rezoned for you know for a hospital over there they weren't addressing any of the issues with the building they weren't mowing the lawn they weren't repairing the parking lot and the place started really looking shabby and affecting our business over there and we were really weren't setting the world on fire we were kind of breaking even at best over there so we thought it's not worth a hassle. Let's just shut it down and stay where our, you know, where we have family to operate, whatever. So yeah. So how did you get into owning a f- indoor football team? Oh gosh, that was my dad's idea. Uh, <laughs> the Cincinnati uh, Rockers. Rockers. Yeah. You don't know yeah. that. I did not know this. Yeah. Oh, we had the Rockers. I think '91 and '92 before we shut it down. Uh, the first year was incredible. We had Arch Leister as our. Quarterback. I remember. I was going to bring him up. Now we knew Arch <laughs> when he was at Ohio State. Because a friend of ours, Joe Lukens, Joe was a All-American at Ohio State, got drafted by the uh, Los Angeles Rams and hurt himself before the first year and never was able to play. But he would bring Art home for the weekends, you know, uh, non-football season. So we always knew Art, but, you know, Art had his problems with the Baltimore Colts and with gambling, whatever. And I'll never forget, my brother Tom calls me at the boathouse and goes, hey, he goes, 
we just hired Arch Schleister. He goes, whatever you do, don't lend him any money. Don't cash <laughs> any checks for him. So I said, okay. So when you know, 20 minutes later, Art shows up. And Art was probably the greatest salesman I've ever seen. And I'd known him. I knew he was nothing but bad news, that he was a great talent, but he had a terrific sickness, you know, gambling. So he came in 20 minutes later. 25 minutes later, I'm cashing a check for him for $1,000, okay? And I've been warned, you know, whatever. So I gave him the money. He comes back the next day and paid me back. And I'm thinking, that was a ploy. He would just set me up for the kill. He was going to cash a bigger one next time. Yeah. But, no, I feel sorry for Art. He was such a nice person, had a great wife and kids, and just, I think he's just going to be in jail. He won't be able to stay out of jail forever. That's a terrible disease, I'll tell you what. With, you know, with drugs, there's only so much you can put through your body. You're gonna, It's going to kill you at some time. With gambling, you know, it's just, you hurt yourself, but you hurt everybody else, too, the people that he's lied to and taken money from. And just, I know a kid that uh, got a second mortgage on his home because Art was going to double his money for him and just, you know. He couldn't afford that one. That was his home. But the but the, fo- the positive, the oh, football the rockers, team. Were, oh, the, <laughs> rockers the Rockers were awesome. Yeah. How did you get? Uh, My dad heard about the Rockers and just wanted to do it, whatever. And uh, and so they already the existed, and then you guys. The league already them? no, or, the league or, already existed, and we bought a franchise for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have a little Rockers watch with a logo in it and the trophy at the boathouse. And my dad, his writing on there is still my two million dollar watch. That's all. That's all he has <laughs> to show for the Rockers now. <laughs> yeah. The first season was like sold out, right? Oh yeah, like, the first season like, was sold out. It was like the gardens. That's that's what that no, it was at the U.S. Bank Center. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there were fireworks. I mean, the py- uh, pyrotechnics were incredible. It was fun. And then, and then the second year, it just it just wasn't. It the was same in a fad. Yeah, they tried yeah. to make it more into a sport. Than yeah. a, it was like big time wrestling. It was entertainment, and then they tried to turn it into a sport, and that's when things went. Just wasn't that fun. Yeah, so yeah. switched it around the next year after the first year. Oh it was, yeah, it was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun for a couple of years. That was, you know what? In, in our business, you worked every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, that was '92. I started working in when I was 12, so that would have been. 65 that was the first time i had a saturday night off i think to be able to go to the rockers games whatever so <laughs> wow that was pretty nice so what's next for well you know what we're waiting on the next generation to start growing things uh mail order business is doing great we don't have plans to open up any other restaurants right now our goal is just to maintain and you know keep growing what we what we have right now and just you know do the right thing for our customer and uh, put out a great product and just try to keep everybody happy. Well, you know, like like I said, we had Greg Cardman in here and he was talking about opening the Lager House and, you know, there's very few of these restaurants in town that are standalone buildings like built by the people who, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's yeah. all, like restaurants just kind of come and go in spaces that have always existed. Like you guys were kind of at the forefront building that a little bit away from downtown. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just that was such really a bad area when we opened building. up down there. You know, when we opened, there was an auto junkyard across the street from us. There were two condemned buildings across the street from us. It was really the, it was the bad part of town. I remember my brother, Tom, we went down to look at it, and Tom goes, that's the worst piece of crap property in Cincinnati. You know, we're not doing it. And it's funny, we always did things democratically in our family. Put it so to a vote. We put it to a vote. Have you guys heard the story? No. Yeah. Oh, this is a true story. We put it to a vote, and there were. Uh, it was my brother, Tom, my two sisters, 
my brother-in-law, myself, that's five, my mother, six, and our accountant, Larry Walden, seven had a vote, and my dad was eight. So we voted seven to one not to do the project, and my dad goes, too late, I already signed the lease. So, <laughs> no. So, so much for democracy in our family. <laughs> but it was a great move for us. I, I was lucky. I got to be the one to go down there and, you know, and uh, make that my headquarters. And I, it is just it's an odd. I love looking at that river all day long. And yeah. It's just so peaceful. So that, was that, did you guys build that building? It's a city owns it, right? The city owns the property. We leased the property from the city, and a developer owned the, the building. And the only reason that is park board property, that is non-profit property. You don't see any businesses on our river in Cincinnati. The all the land is owned by the park board, other than like the logger house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. They lease that from the from the park yeah. board. Uh, but the only reason we're there is because of the Cincinnati Rowing Club was in the basement of our building. They were a non-profit. They it was their idea to locate there. They needed a tenant to pay the expenses for you know for the building. So they, uh, Chuck Kabicki, United uh, Cincinnati United Developers, United Contractors came and showed my dad a picture. It looked like a New England boathouse with a restaurant, you know, uh, with about 400 seats, 300 seats. And my dad looked at it and he goes, that's not big enough. Can you do something with 400 seats? So about a month later, Chuck came back with an artist's rendering of the building and, and uh, a rough uh, interior layout, and he goes, how about 700 seats? And my dad said, I think that'll work. So they did the deal on a handshake. We didn't sign the lease till you know, till I don't know, a month or two later. They, already, they had already started the project, and they signed the lease. But, you know, back then, we were the only restaurant around there. People would drive in. We would have two-hour waits, three-hour two-hour waits during remember. the week, three-hour waits on weekends. And people would come in, they'd hang around the lounge, the lounge was always packed, the balcony upstairs, and, you know. And now, you know, now with all the competition that we have, we really don't need all the 700 seats. So what we did with our upstairs dining, we don't use that for open dining anymore. We do private parties up there. And private party business has been incredible. It has really, it's been good, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you don't realize how big... That place it's a marvel. is. It's like, We're twenty-two thousand square feet. You get five yeah. Applebee's in your oh, in yeah. your restaurant. Definitely, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like most restaurants like, are six thousand, seven thousand square feet. So, you know, a a, a two hundred and fifty seat, a big restaurant, two hundred and fifty seat, whatever. So, Applebee's is probably around forty-five hundred, maybe something like that. So, <laughs> that's that's nice. amazing. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, to finish the story, he started. We. Uh, we met when Darren was a server there, and I brought it. You know, it's like my go-to place to bring comedians who come into okay. town so we were having lunch and i think we've told the story on the podcast yeah, it was before a friday <laughs> up at the bar it was what uh filet of soul mac and cheese friday special <laughs> i don't know darren, yeah. darren said you do stand up and i was like yeah and he gave me his card i checked out his art we started hanging out we decided to start a t-shirt company and now we're for sure 13 wow. 14 yeah. years later we're talking to you that's awesome. But waiting tables yeah. there was was awesome. I mean, you know, you felt like I, I, it was I felt exciting, like, wasn't it? Yeah, and I felt like I was like my own boss in a way. I mean, yeah, there's all these rules and stuff, but at the, in the end of the day, whatever you made was kind of you know a reflection of your effort for you sure. put into it. Absolutely. But yeah, I remember my. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard this story or not, but uh, my my claim to fame was. Uh, I don't know. I was up on AC. Probably it was a uh, twelve top. What's like AC? A, Come on, that's like the upper level and yeah, the main dining yeah. room. 
Yeah, so not the best, not the window seats, but but with a nice view. Yeah, so I had a nice big party of uh, ten or twelve. This is a Saturday afternoon, probably you know four o'clock. Come out and I'm telling the specials, and I said, okay, well, our, the you know we also have a seafood special. It's uh, I don't know, it was like shrimp and scallops, uh, sun dried tomatoes, quartered mushrooms, artichoke hearts on a bed of seamed vermicelli. <laughs> and that everybody kind of looked up and they were like, did you just say semen? Like, like, okay. So, uh, so we, I, seasoned. I, yeah. Not, oh, yeah, not seasoned, but semen. <laughs> the ladies were, huh, that's interesting. But, um, no, that's so why I had to like, order it. <laughs> I, I didn't sell any. No, yeah. no one bought any. But, uh, yeah, so I had to walk out for a couple minutes and come back. It's like, okay, let's start from the top right now. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I was able to save that one. No one went to any managers, but uh, oh, wow. yeah, those guys out here putting semen on the vermicelli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> let's see. Oh, uh, no, that was awesome. Hey, yeah, you, know, you still go there and you see the same faces, and, I mean, it's just one big one big family from, you know. You know what's really cool? Seeing a lot of our old employees still come in. And seeing people that have gone on, you know, and done well for themselves, whatever. It's just, it is so cool. And a lot of guys say, and this is what I'm most proud of, that they learned a great work ethic working, you know, at Montgomery Inn from, from both of our stores or whatever. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, man, like, even the bussers were, like, oh, they were world class, here in the, in the military. It was like, yeah, for oh, sure. that table's up, boom, you're on it, and you had it reset. Because as soon as, as, soon as someone left that table and they're done... You know, the uh, the hostess is already calling the next table. You know, that table is on their way, so you better get this thing It's turned. a machine down there. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, whoa, what the heck? You know, I'm, I got a college degree, and that was my first job out of college. So, uh, anyway, so I don't know if that says anything for me or not, but, hey, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. For sure. It did. We have a, a segment at the end where we ask our guests to give us a word that will be used as a coupon for the next week. So between okay. when this episode comes out and the next episode comes out, you can pick a word, whatever word you want and you think is appropriate, and okay. people will save 20% on their order online or in our store. Okay. So what word would you like that to be? It's going to be a number, okay? Semen. Okay. Yes. Yes, semen. <laughs> no. 91. 91. My mom turned 91 yesterday. Okay. All right, so there you go. I have to make sure we can uh, work. Yeah, that it'll work. Um, Nine. So nine one. We'll also do it as a typed out. N I N. Typed out. It's gonna say about ninety one. Ninety one. I just. I I don't know. It'll work. Okay. As long as you can do a two code. A two-letter. Just make code. sure it's not for ninety-one percent. We'll, we'll go with ninety-one. If for some reason it doesn't, <laughs> uh, we'll test it first. And on the other side of this, when I do the outro, I'll tell you guys whether it worked or not. I'll test okay. it. Okay. Nine nine Is one. That okay. Would you rather do something simple like no, 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 no. no okay. it didn't work. Okay. Nine one. Uh, I didn't mean to convolute. Right, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> well, no, they're listening. Now we you know we mentioned to Greg Hardman earlier with the Little King. We're going to have a sixtieth. Uh, anniversary, we're going to do a beer dinner at the Boathouse on October the 25th. So we're going to publicize that. I'll let you guys know. Maybe you can mention on one of your upcoming uh, podcasts. Maybe we could be a sponsor and run a commercial on there. Uh, sure. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. We we'll don't definitely have... tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Five course, five courses, five different beers, whatever. And that'll be a, uh, that'll be a great time. And so. James Brown will be performing. Yeah. James Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might show some James Brown videos. Man. Is there a video of that? No, I wish we had one. No. 
that's when camera phones weren't. Uh, we had flip phones, but not camera phones. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Social media, man. If you guys had that, you guys, whole you guys are too young. When we didn't have voicemail, email, Twitter, phones, you go out and goof off all day long. You call your office about quarter to five and get your messages, you know, and call them in the morning and start, you know, whatever. It was great. It was it was a great world back then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nobody could ever find you. And you could always say, I called you back because there was no caller ID or yeah. you know, anything like that. Back Nobody then. answered. It was yeah. busy. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> For sure. But it was, I got a busy signal. <laughs> well, Dean, thank you for sharing your stories and your time with us. Oh, pleasure. It's been so fun to, like, get to know you personally. And, um, and I know you've known Darren a long time as well. But, like... For somebody who grew up here and just still thinks Montgomery Inn is the greatest restaurant in our city, like it's just, it's really cool to have you. So okay. thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. I hope you guys will have, I have a lot more stories. I hope I can come back to oh, whenever, yeah, yeah. whenever you want. Yeah, I would love to for sure. All right. All so right, guys. Be sure to check out uh, all the Montgomery Inn pages on Facebook and Twitter and uh, check out Cincy Favorites. And uh, of course, go to the boathouse in the original location in Old Montgomery. Thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate it. Dean Gregory from Montgomery Inn. Those are some great stories, right? What did I tell you? We need to do a deeper dive on some of those. I had no idea about them owning the Rockers football team back in the day, the old arena team. How about that? As always, if you haven't already, I advise you to go back and cherry pick the Cincy Shirts archives or just listen to them all, really. Frank Marzullo's in there, Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Mo Egger, Mike Mathis, Johnny Bench. Uh, we have two big episodes, not from famous people, but topics people love, Haunted Cincinnati and Abandoned Cincinnati. Uh, our friend Dan from over to uh, the Haunted Cincinnati Tours, and of course Ronnie Salerno from uh, the Cinc- Queen City Discovery blog talked about abandoned stuff in Cincinnati, and also about the old Cincinnati Comets soccer team, so check that out. Uh, today's show was produced by me, with some help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are actually from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your tunes. Find vintage tees from great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We've been putting a ton of new designs into that website, so be sure to check those out. We also have beer restaurant designs in there, old sports teams, old malls, old restaurants, so check that out. In case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is 91, just the number 91. Simple as that. You can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com order or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into one of our physical stores, Cincy Shirts, in Hyde Park, uh, OTR, or Loveland, and just say, I'd like to use the code 91 and get yourself 20% off. Simple as that. Uh, follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
I said goodbye